us, please. Thank you, Charles. It's good to be with you guys in Norwalk this morning. I always love coming here. And I'm really excited because we're going to continue in our message series, Unwrapping Christmas. And in the series, what we've done is we asked a simple question. The question is, why? Why do we do some of those typical Christmas traditions that we kind of take for granted? And if you remember, in week one, we looked at why gifts? Why do we have gifts to each other during the Christmas season? Well, it all points back to the first Christmas and Jesus coming on this earth, giving us the biggest gift right away. Now, last weekend, we looked at why family, or as some of you may think, why family, right? Well, it's good to know that even in the lineage of Jesus, there were some oddballs in there, some really weird people, you know, and so I found a lot of encouragement. I don't know about you. Well, today, we're going to unwrap another one of those typical Christmas um, traditions that we just take for granted and see how do they apply to our life today. But before we get there, I do have a question for you. Um, don't need to raise your hands or shout out the answer. This is just between you and your own ego, okay? Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a picture up on the screen, and I want you to see if you can guess for yourself what commercial this is from. Do you guys know what it is? I hear some yeses. I hear some nodding. Okay. Well, it is one of my all-time favorite commercials. Actually, it's a commercial series by an insurance company that makes a really relevant point of young homeowners starting to turn into their parents. And I thought it was funny from the beginning until a couple of weeks ago where I realized it happens to me. And it's funny because it's true. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about my family. Um, I have been very fortunate. I know it's not the case but for everybody, but my dad is one of the most amazing person you're ever going to meet in your life. He is a man of God. He is generous. He is caring. He, is, he loves his family. He did a great job raising us and um, really, really grateful. But when I was in middle school and high school specifically, um, there was one thing that kind of didn't sit well with me and it always rubbed me the wrong way, okay? And that is, he would sing obnoxiously loud in church, okay? Like, I mean, full out throttle, like blasting. And I have this vivid memory of my childhood sitting in the pews at our home church in Germany. And he would actually go up to speak and teach. And the tech team forgot to turn off his microphone. And he would just like sing with all of his might. And I remember his voice just blaring throughout the entire building. Now, what you also need to know is that my dad wasn't like, he wasn't a bad singer. He also was not a great singer either, okay? So, well, then it happened to me. A couple of weeks ago, here I am, sitting in a front row with my family, and I'm singing, and I'm worshiping. Worship team is rocking it out, and I'm singing and worshiping God, and I look over, and there's my 10-year-old daughter, Gracie, and she kind of gives me this funny look. I'm like, oh, Connie, what's wrong? You okay? She's like, yeah, you're just loud, so what happened is my pride got hurt, right? So I look at my wife for confirmation and, you know, to rebuild myself, and she just kind of gives me this nod. And if you have a spouse, you know that nod, right, where it's like, yeah, she's right, but I'm not going to embarrass you in public. So here I am. And in that moment, it clicked. I had become my dad when it comes to singing in church. Well, why am I sharing this with you? It's simple, because today we're going to look at why do we sing? Why is Christmas... Such a time for music, worship, and singing. And we're going to unwrap that together today because, I mean, no other time of the year do we have carolers going around singing songs. No other time of the year do we get around the Christmas tree worshiping together. No other time 
of the year do we have to attend one after the next after the next school um, music show? It seems like there's one every night and every show. I don't know how they do that, but, you know, there's a music show every single night in the month of December. Well, why is that? Today, we're going to look at that together. And I want to start us off with just a little bit of history of the carol specifically, because it's kind of the music that we only sing at Christmas time. And I love it because um, actually carols originated in Europe hundreds and hundreds of years ago, which I originated in Europe, but not hundreds of years ago. But, um, you know, but they came from Europe. But initially, carols had nothing to do with Christmas. People were actually singing carols at the time to celebrate the winter solace kind of season of change. And usually that would happen around December 22nd or so. And this is the part that I love about the story is that as people continue to fall in love with Jesus, as more and more people would start celebrating Christmas, people would start wondering like, okay, so we sing these songs. Well, why don't we make them about Jesus and about what happened at Christmas? And that's how we ended up with the beautiful carols that we sing every weekend in the month of December and especially at Christmas time. That's how we ended up. And isn't that what Christian life should be? Jesus has taken us wherever we are, whatever our circumstances were. He comes in and he's changing us and draws us closer to him. Well, what a beautiful picture. Now, I did find for you the first original um, carol that was ever sung or at least recorded. It's from 1521 and it's called the Boar's Head Carol. Just to give you an idea, I'm not going to sing because uh, I am also not a great singer. Um, but Here's some of the lyrics to give you an idea. The boar's head in hand bring I, beckoned with bays and rosemary. I pray you, my master, be merry, as you all feast so heartily. Lo, behold, the head I bring, giving praise to the God we sing. Now, I checked with Charles and Jeremy. This is not one of those carols we're going to sing anytime soon here um, at the chapel. It would make a great boar's head meat commercial, to be honest with you. That's my thought. But Otherwise, like, you know, but it is, it ties all back to Christmas. It, music surrounds us during Christmas time. And one of the reasons why is because it does. It allows us to respond to what we see happening at Christmas. I think it's something that is instilled in all of us um, to, to respond in some way to what we have seen. In fact, um, one of the professors and the Florida University, she phrases it this way. She says, music is so deeply ingrained into what it means to be a human being. It was probably one of the first ways of expressing humanity. It is so hard to separate because humans have rhythm, humans sing, we like music, and it's primary means of our spiritual and religious expression. So why do we sing at Christmas time? Well, one reason is because we want to respond to what happens at Christmas and what Jesus has done for us, and we're going to look at that today. But as I got into this topic, as I was preparing for this message, I also thought about the first Christmas and what happened in the Gospels and what the Bible tells us about the first Christmas when Jesus was born, and I was actually surprised how much even then music, worship, and praise were part of their experience. I mean, just think about it. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, even before he was born, what happened is an angel came to her and announced to her that, yes, you're going to have a baby, and he's going to be the savior of the world. And I love how Mary responds to this. Let's look at this together. In Luke 1, verse 46 to 49, it says this, Mary responded, oh, how my, my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in my savior. For he took notice of a lowly servant girl 
and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Now, I love those words, but what really astonished me is think about Mary's situation for a moment. Put yourself in her shoes. There is this teenage girl that doesn't really have a whole lot. All of a sudden, this angel visits her, and he's got to calm her down first before she's even to hear anything he says. And he is completely changing her world and turning her world upside down. I mean, in that society back then, um, even more than today, I mean, having a baby without being married was a big no-no. I mean, she knew that as soon as that baby would be born, she would be an outcast. She knew that she's probably going to lose her fiancé, Joseph. And, you know, I mean, who's going to believe that he's going to be the savior of the world and she as a virgin was going to get a baby? I mean, you know, nobody would believe that. And in the midst of all that turmoil, she decides to worship, which helped me this week because things are hard sometimes. We go through some difficulties. We go through some really heavy stuff. But I love how Mary responds in the midst of that turmoil, in the midst of losing all that control. She worships. She sings and focuses her eyes on Jesus and on God. Now, she's not the only person, though, in the story of the first Christmas that responds in singing and praising. In fact, the next group of people that we see are the angels. So what happens is Jesus comes to earth, is born. Um, another angel follows him to meet some lowly shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. And in the middle of the triumph, is that a word? Celebratory moment of um, engaging and letting the shepherds know that Jesus was born, this is what happens next. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with those whom he is pleased. So not only do we focus to, of Jesus and sing in our songs to him and his glory in the midst of tribulations and difficulties, but we also see in this first Christmas that we can celebrate and worship God in the midst of our high moments. In the moments where things are great and celebration is happening all around us, we can give glory to God just like the angels did. The next group of people I want to look at with you as part of this first Christmas that actually ended up worshiping and celebrating is a group that you wouldn't have necessarily expected because these were some really gruff, rough men in the middle of nowhere. Those were the shepherds. Because the angels told the shepherds, obviously, about Jesus. So they went and saw him. And then as they walked back, this is how they responded. They said, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. So here we see even the roughest men in, a, in an outcast um, situation where they're, you know, not really getting a well-paid job. It's not somebody wanted to grow up to be a shepherd because that was such a pristine job. No, I mean, this is some of the leftover people. They get the news. They see Jesus. And how do they respond? They respond the same way. They're glorifying God. But again, we also see in the first Christmas that the opposite is true. Not just the poor and the lowly are actually worshiping God. The rich and the wise and the educated do the same thing. The wise men. I mean, you know, how would you get a, who, who wants gold for Christmas? I mean, you know, they were rich people that brought um, gifts to Jesus when they met him. And this is how they responded first. They said, well, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And as they entered, they said this. They entered the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. 
I think that's a challenge for all of us, no matter where we are. If we're in the middle of a great season of life, if we're in the middle of a difficult season of life, if we are rich or if we are poor, it doesn't matter. Our response to Christmas should be that we should worship. Worship in a different way. Respond in different ways. But we not only should respond when it comes to Christmas and what God has done during Christmas, because music and worship also has another opportunity for us. It has an opportunity for us to share the good news with others through the gift of music. Look at this picture on the screen. I love that. A couple of weeks ago, um, you may know, we've done the churches left the building where we shut our church doors for a weekend and we encouraged you to go out and bless somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that's God already put around you that just needs an encouragement during the season. Well, our worship team got together, some of the members, and they said, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to bless the community? And they thought, okay, well, we're pretty good at making music, so why don't we just do that together? And so they approached the Sandusky Mall and said, hey, we just want to sing as people walk by. We just want to sing some Christmas songs, some carols. And, you know, as people doing their shopping, we're not going to charge you. We just want to bless you and your guests. And they were generously said yes. And our worship team was there on a Sunday morning as people were going there shopping, singing songs, but not only singing songs, but proclaiming what God had done at Christmas time. In fact, one of my favorite authors, Tim Keller, in his book, Hidden Christmas, he describes it this way. He says, every year, our increasing, increasingly secular Western society becomes more unaware of his historical roots, many of which are the fundamentals of the Christian faith. Yet once a year at Christmas, these basic truths become a bit more accessible to an enormous audience. A countless gatherings, concerts, parties, and other events, even, the most, even when most participants are non-religious, the essentials of the faith can sometimes become visible. With brilliant economic style, the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, gives us a summary of the entire Christian teaching. We, song, song, uh, we sang the song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, earlier. And I don't know if you noticed, so maybe sometimes we just sing songs and we don't really pay attention to what we're singing. Maybe we're just going through the motions and it's just what we do at Christmas but if you really pay attention, there is so much richness that God wants to teach us even when we sing. And so I want to take a look at uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing a little bit more closely with you this morning. Just as an example, because there's hundreds of other songs that that same would be true. But in this song, we can see the entire gospel, the good news of Jesus being laid out. Because maybe you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you just somebody invited you and you just came along to appease them and... You know, are you still kicking that tire on that Jesus and you're not really sure what to expect or what he's all about? Well, if that's you, let me just walk you through some of the lyrics and some of life's difficult questions that we have a hard time finding answers in. And let's look at those lyrics together to see how they may apply to you and to my life. And I want to start with a tough question. Well, who is Jesus? Right? That's probably the good question to start with. And so here's a couple of um, lyrics out of this song. Christ by the highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. So just in those couple of sentences, we can see who Jesus is. He is the everlasting Lord, which means he was there at the beginning and he's going to be there at the end. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. But he decided to come on this earth in a virgin's womb, in order for us to, um, yeah, we'll see his mission here in a minute, but, um, but he's also incarnate deity. What that means is, if you're not familiar with Christian talk, 
It, it simply just means like he is fully human when he came on earth, but he was also fully God. Which kind of leads me into my, other, my next question. It's kind of, well, what did he come to do, right? Why did he even come to earth? Well, this is what he came for. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I don't know about you, but I almost sometimes get depressed when I look at the news or if I just spend time on Facebook for a couple of minutes just scrolling through just how much our world need peace now, probably more than ever. Well, that's what Jesus came for. He wanted to bring peace on earth. He wanted, but that wasn't it. That wasn't just the only mission he had. He wanted to reconcile us with God. Because in case you didn't know this, is what happens is if we sin, which we describe as everything we do that goes kind of against what God has set out in his original plan, and we've all done it, I admit it, um, you know, I've done it too. What it happens though is it creates a gap between us and God. And what Jesus knew is that as much as we can try to be a good person and do the right things and be generous and help other people and do what we can to better ourselves, we're never going to be able to bridge that gap between us and God. We need a Savior to do that. We needed somebody to come in to live a perfect life, to die on a cross and be resurrected, and that's what Jesus did. That's why we celebrate at Christmas a baby and a major, because that's the person he would get to be one day. And that's why God and sinners are reconciled. He also had another mission, though, too. Light of life to all he brings, risen healing in his wings. I know that life is hard, and I know, especially during this time, just sometimes things happen that just absolutely devastated and break our hearts. Well, Jesus came for healing as well. Just like Mary looked at Jesus in the midst of her difficulties, he wants to take us under his wing. He wants to nurture us. He wants to help us. He wants to heal our hearts because he knows that this world is broken and things are wrong and difficult at times, and that's why he came for us. Which leads me to my next question. Well, how did he accomplish his mission? Mild he lays his glory by, born that men no more may die. Jesus left heaven. He could have been up there and enjoying it um, with God and the Holy Spirit and not worry about us, but he loved you and me so much that he came from heaven, laid his glory aside, his easy life aside, and he came to earth to live on this earth so he would know what we feel, how, what we go through, and allow us to go to heaven one day. In fact, better than I could ever tell it, um, Philippians 2 phrases it this way. He says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the position, the humble position of a slave and was born into a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience on a cross and died the death of a criminal. Which leads me to my next and final question, how can this life be ours? How can this life be yours? Again, let's look at the lyrics. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Now, the second birth is kind of a Christian word, and so let me unravel this a little bit. Actually, Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, through an outward spiritual regeneration so radically that as we have seen it, it's called a second birth. So what our responsibilities, Jesus came on this earth to bridge the gap with God, but we still have a responsibility because we can't earn it. We can't do enough to deserve it. It's just there, but it's a free gift. Just like Christmas, we get gifts. Our responsibility is simply to accept that gift. And because this is such a game changer for your life and for mine, and I can tell you out of my own experiences, the best decision I've ever made is to accept Jesus in my life and to accept this free gift. 
It's called a second birth. It's so significant that it's almost like our spirit is reborn. But we have to accept him. And I want to encourage you to accept him if you have not done that. But again, why do we celebrate at Christmas? Why do we spend time together singing and um, going to concert and are surrounded by music? Well, it's, number one, our response and our opportunity to respond to what we have seen him do. But it's not just that. It's also an opportunity to use this time for us as Christ followers to share through the words, through the lyrics, through the gifts that God has given us about what he has done. Because we've seen this in the first Christmas as part of it. And we can use lyrics like the Hark the Herald Angels Sing to help us through that. And so as we close our service, what I want to do is just encourage you with a couple of easy next steps for you to take maybe this week, no matter where you are in your journey. And the first one is pretty simple. Let's worship passionately. You know, it may be to the dismay of my 10-year-old daughter, Gracie, but I'm going to continue to sing loud and proud for Jesus. And I'm glad that my dad set that example for me so I could follow it And, you know, I may do my better job of trying to sing better, but I am going to sing and worship him strongly going forward. And we're going to end our service in worship. We're going to sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing one more time together. And I don't know if you knew this, but at the chapel, we actually turn the sound up so loud at times um, on purpose because we want you to be fully engaged in worship and knowing that only God can hear you, not the person next to you. That's why. We want you to be free to celebrate him and to respond to him in a significant way, worshiping him passionately. Another step you can take, and maybe this is for some time this week, you're going to continue to be surrounded by music, right, on the radio or even at home or during service as well. Let's take a look at other carols. I just gave you one example this morning because also we have time for it, but there's hundreds and hundreds of amazing carols with deep theology deep opportunities for God to speak to us no matter what situation you are in. And so maybe today over coffee or sometime this week, just Google your favorite um, carol and look at the lyrics and let God speak to you through it. And if you get our Beyond the, Devo- uh, Beyond the Weekend devotional each week in an email, we're going to look at two other carols this week to look at what God can teach us through the songs that we sing each time Let's not waste that opportunity and let it pass by, but truly look at another carol. Another step. Maybe you're sitting here thinking, okay, I get it, but honestly, I can't wait for Christmas music to be over, okay? I know you're out there, and that's okay, because music's not everybody's thing. But what I want to encourage you this morning is, if music's not your thing, then take whatever is your thing and respond to Jesus. Use it to worship him. Just this couple weeks ago, I had breakfast with uh, young men from this campus, um, young family father, and I loved his story uh, just simply because he decided, hey, I, I, honestly, I don't know if he's a good singer or not, so I'm going to label him, but he is really good at construction work. He's really good at fixing things. And so what he decided is to say, okay, well, I'm going to use that to glorify God. And so he's now starting his own company on the side with another family member, and they just want to bless people. And fix things for people that are going through a hard time or even using the resources that they gain through the business in order to bless others. And so all that to say is if music's not your thing, well, use whatever your thing is to respond and to share God's love with other people. And then my last plea to you is simply this. Man, if you have not accepted Jesus in your life, don't let another moment go by. It's been the best decision I've ever made, and I know it's going to be yours. And if you have questions, that's okay. 
Pastor Charles, Joe, myself, worship team, just come and find one of us and we'd love to talk to you. We are so thankful that you are here and we'd love to answer any questions you may have. We may not have perfect answers, but we'll do our best. But just come and ask us and we want to help you take those next steps because it's so important. But I can't think of a better way to end our time together, to sing one more time as passionately as we can. Thank you, worship team, for coming back out. Well, why don't we just all stand, if you're able, and let's sing together. Hark the herald angel sing. Mm -hmm.